It's sure great to worship God, isn't it? I mean, yeah. That, you know, and that's what we were created for. We were created to be in relationship with God. And if you're not in relationship with God, and you're sitting in this room this morning, hopefully you will be convinced to give your life to Jesus before you leave, because I'm going to ask you that at the end. Uh, but anyway, I want to talk today about uh, ruling, ruling and reigning in life. You know, the Bible says, uh, I'm going to start, if you want to turn in your Bibles, to uh, Romans 5.17. And uh, let me turn to it. There we go. Okay. So I'm going to start on 517, but before we do that, I'd just like to ask God to bless just this time the word. Father, I just want to come before you now, and I just pray that people's hearts would be open. I pray that you would anoint me to share your word in a way that produces life in the people that hear. God, I pray that nobody would leave here the same as when they came in, but that they would be changed by your word, by your Holy Spirit moving upon them. And I just pray that over this congregation this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what this says. It says, For if by the transgression of the one, in other words, that's Adam he's talking about here. This is Paul writing. Death reigned through the one. Much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And I don't know how you are, but uh, sometimes I don't, I'm not really experiencing the full depth of that verse. You know, the word reign there literally is the Greek word that we get basilica from. You know, do you know what a basilica is? It's a, it's a building that ancient Roman times, Greek times, was a place of authority, judgment. And so we're to rule and reign like kings. Kings. Now, my question to you, is that, is, is that your experience? Do you reign like a king? Do you have, you know, back in the Garden of Eden... We were given dominion over the entire world. And we exchanged that. We gave that to Satan because we believed his lie. And we lost that dominion. But Jesus, through his sacrifice, he restored that back to us. And we should be walking in more authority, dominion, and power, I believe, than most of us experience. And I'm not saying this to make you feel condemned or to convict you or anything. I'm, what I'm sharing this morning, I hope, will inspire you to go after God boldly. I'm going to show you some verses that there is nothing in your life, nothing that can keep you from a relationship with God. Jesus has taken care of everything. 
And we sometimes don't really grasp that, I don't think. And I mean, everybody in this room probably has problems in their walk with God, choices they make that they know they shouldn't make. And as a result of that, what I call comes in, what I call a religious spirit comes in, where we think that we have to work our way to God and for God to become more acceptable by God. And that is out of, I'm telling you, that is a lie of the enemy. The enemy wants us to believe that we've got to make ourselves acceptable to God. We do not. Jesus, all we've got to do is believe and receive. You know, everything in the word of God is done under the new covenant. Let's, let's clarify that. There's two covenants. There's an old covenant, new covenant. We're under the new covenant. Under the new covenant, everything is done, done, done. It's done. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It's finished. And that's what that means. It's done. So what we've got to do as believers is we've got to start walking in that. We've got to start believing what the word of God says, not really what we're even experiencing. I'd like to turn over to chapter 7 of Romans. And uh, let's see, this will be in about verse 14, I think. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And I don't know, most of you in this room know all about Apostle Paul, but he actually was uh, a pretty profound sinner. What I mean by that was he actually killed Christians before he became a Christian. You know, a lot of us have sins in our past life that we don't want to talk about. And, you know, we understand that they're all forgiven. Well, Paul, he always said, I, was the, I am the chief among sinners. And the reason he said that is because he actually had persecuted the church of God so bad they was responsible for the death of fellow believers. You think that guy might have carried some guilt? I, I would think he did. So he understood what it was all about, you know, relying on Jesus and his forgiveness. And, you know, another guy, but Paul, you know, he was so anointed by God that they actually cut little pieces of cloth and sent them out to people to be healed. And uh, Peter's another one. They talked about in Book of Acts how Peter, he'd walk down the street and people would get beside the road and hope his shadow fell on them so they could be healed. You know, you see that and you think, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have the anointing and the power of God in your life to be able to move in the miraculous, the supernatural? You know, I really believe... Uh, that there's a move of God coming on this nation and even in this city. You know, we just saw that little film, uh, Jesus Revolution, was that the name of it? And, you know, I lived that. That was kind of my story, too, you know. I lived that. That's what I came out of. And I really believe that we are on the very beginning of a tremendous move of God. But, What's going to bring people's attention? I believe it's the supernatural. The supernatural is what 
really is going to open people's eyes to come in to the body of Christ. Because I can tell you, they can argue all day about Scripture, beliefs, and all that stuff. But when somebody stands up out of a wheelchair and starts to walk, they can't say much about that. Can they? And, you know, so we need to be people that are spiritual people. I believe first, that's the way God created us, to be spiritual. So, anyway, uh, let's take a look at uh, 14. Here's what Paul says. He goes, uh, well, it's hard for me to read these little words. For we, <laughs> we, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. And for what I am not practicing, or for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present with me, but the doing of the good is not. So he's basically saying the very things he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing. And the very things that he doesn't want to, or that he wants to do, he can't seem to do. And he says that it's the weakness of the flesh that's causing this. You know, and here's Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, did tremendous missionary work. When I see a guy like that talking about having trouble making right choices... It makes me feel a little better. Makes me feel like I can make it. I don't know if you guys ever wrestle with, am I good enough? Am I good enough? You know, everything in the world we have to work for. The world standards is if you uh, work diligently, use your self-will, push yourself, do this, do that. Things will work out for you, right? And we have a tendency to carry that into our Christian walk as well. We think, you know, that if I do this and do that, if I pray more, if I read the Bible more, worship more, God's going to accept me more. And there's nothing wrong with those things. What's wrong is the attitude that we're doing them, thinking that I'm going to be accepted to God more if I do those things. There's only one thing that makes, accept, makes us acceptable to God. And that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And in Colossians chapter 2, I think it's verse 13. The Bible says, how many of our sins are forgiven? I know most of you know this. All of them. All of them. That means our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. You know, a lot of times we don't have problems with our past sins and our present sins. But, I, but when we start talking about future sins as Christians, I'm talking as Christians, we have a problem with thinking those are forgiven. But if you think about it, when Jesus was on the cross, what were all of our sins at that time? 
They were future sins. And they're forgiven. So you do not need to worry about when you fall short that, God, that you can't come to the throne of grace. You know, it says that we should boldly come to the throne of grace. It says that in Hebrews. And uh, that boldness there is just that. It's, I mean, we just come right in. We don't have to be apprehensive. We don't have to think, I got to get myself right with God before I come into his presence. We can just come in boldly because the way to the Holy of Holies has been opened freely to us and we can walk boldly in. And we don't though, do we? We, we you know, I don't know if you've ever had opportunity to maybe go pray for somebody that, you know, has cancer or some big deal. And, you know, and they've asked you to come over and pray for them. Maybe I'm the only one that does this, but I want to get holy before I go over there. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to make sure that you're in the word, you're not doing anything, not thinking anything, you're watching what you watch on TV, make sure nothing's bad. You, you just want to be holy when you go over there. Do you, have any of you experienced that? Or am I the only one? Okay. Yeah, I mean, what is that? Well, it's religion. It's the world creeping in saying that you have got to do this, do that, do this, do that to be acceptable to God. But all we got to do is embrace what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's his righteousness. You know the righteousness that we bring? You know what God says about that? It's a stench in his nostrils. Yeah. So anyway, so we see that Paul had problem with that. So uh, what's the provision that God gave to be able to walk in that promise that we would reign in life? Well, the provision is Christ on the cross and him crucified. We need to embrace everything that the Bible says about the covering of our sins by the blood of Christ and begin to walk in that. And profess it over yourself. Speak it to yourself. Don't listen to the enemy. You know, we have an enemy named Satan. He's the one that messed up mankind's relationship with God in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden. And the entire Bible and the story of salvation and our restoration is all about bringing back and restoring what we lost in the Garden of Eden. We had a good deal in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and, you know, and, but God wants to restore all that back to us. You know, when you read, I like looking at the end of books sometimes, even a, a good book, I'll kind of go forward and read the end just so I know what's happening. I, you know, I like to know the end on movies. If I'm watching a movie, you know, or haven't seen one, I talk to somebody about it. Oh, I can't tell you the end. I say, yeah, I want to know the end. I like to know how things... You know, it doesn't ruin my experience at all. And that's what I like about the Bible. You look at the end, and we win. God wins. We win. We get to live with God for eternity. Eternity. And that's every one of us. How do you do that? Well, you accept what he's done on the cross. You recognize that you are a sinner, which isn't hard to do. 
That part's easy. Sometimes what's harder is believing that Jesus could actually pay the price for our sins on the cross. And then accept that. And it's, the Bible says you're born again. Then the Spirit of God comes and lives inside us. And we again are restored back to what we had in the Garden of Eden. And that's the way God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to walk with him with the Spirit of God inside us and with us listening to the leading of the Spirit. You know, Romans, I don't know how many of you read the Bible, but I encourage you, you should read the Bible every day. Just a little bit. You don't have to sit down, read an hour, but I challenge you to read at least five minutes a day, every day, because then it will go up to 10, go to 15. Next thing you know, you'll be wasting an hour or two a day reading the Bible. Or you'll think it's wasting, but it's not. It's, it's building you up spiritually. And the thing is, you know, we need that to feed our spiritual man. When we're born again, there begins to be a battle. We are literally in a battle. And we're in a battle for our lives. And we're in a battle where we're trying to get our spiritual nature, our spiritual man, to be the ruling influence in our lives and you know because everything in the flesh is dead but you know there's a verse uh, I'm not sure where it's at it's second Corinthians it might be 523 or so, I don't know but it says I pray that Satan doesn't deceive you like he did Eve from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ we make, human nature is to make what God has done difficult. Where it's really simple. And Satan loves religion and all of the trappings that go with religion. He loves you to, to believe that you've got to do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Instead of just relying on Jesus. You know, in uh, Peter, it says, uh, one of the God, uh, epistles of Peter, it says to cast all your cares on him, on Jesus, for he cares for your soul. You know, if we've got issues going on in our lives, we've got problems, we, you know, I hate to say this because people are going to think I'm some kind of a heretic, but it doesn't work to try harder, okay? If you try harder, you're going to be frustrated. You're not going to have the joy. You just need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is where I'm at. I need your help. You know, I often, the Lord showed me years ago, you know, we always throw that term around holy, holiness, all that stuff. The Lord showed me, True holiness is just being real with God. Being who you are before God. Because does he know? Yeah, he does. He does. You know, we put on a good show to the people around us, don't we? But God doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't look at... He's not interested in how we look, how I dress. He don't care that I've got this nice green shirt on. I looked in the mirror before I got came here, and I said, I look okay. God, <laughs> God doesn't care, does he? No, 
but we do that. No, God looks at the heart. God is concerned what's on your heart. That's what's real. So, uh, what time is it? Okay, I've got plenty of time, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm going to read some verses uh, just about um, faith, righteousness. Uh, let's turn to Philippians 3.9. I'll start with that. Okay, here's what it says. Oh, and I'm reading, unfortunately, from the New American Standard. I, I like it a little better than the NIV because in a lot of verses it's a little more what the original Greek says. But there'll be a lot of people will argue with you about that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, here's what it says. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, in other words, from following rules and regulations, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So, you know, faith comes through Christ. Righteousness comes through Christ. Everything that we have comes from God. Did you know even the ability, I believe that even the ability to believe what Christ did on the cross comes from God. Everything. We are, it's imparted to us. And we need to embrace the righteousness of Christ and realize that there's no good in me. Now, does that mean that, you know, you live like the devil? No, of course not. I'm not saying that. Don't you dare go out of here saying, Glenn said you could just live like the devil and don't have to worry about it. You know, it, there's, there's things called uh, sowing and reaping. And I'm guaranteeing you, if you go out and reap, in the flesh, a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be reaping. I mean, sowing, excuse me. I stand corrected. If you go out and sow a bunch of stuff, you're going to reap the harvest, and it won't be good. It won't be pretty. So uh, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you don't have to worry about sin in your life. The sin in your life, I don't care what you've done, has been taken care of at the cross where Jesus died and bled for you. You know, there's a thing that, a term that's thrown around. It's called the divine exchange. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's kind of a fancy word people throw out once in a while. But what happened at, at the cross is there it was a divine exchange. We exchanged our unrighteousness and everything that we are, our sinful nature, everything, for what Christ is. And so when God looks at us now, he sees us as pure as Jesus. Now, do you feel that way? Probably not. 
You know, I don't. But you know what? I know that that is how God looks at me. And I walk in that. And I walk in boldness. You know, I never feel guilty for things that I do or don't do. I, I You know, somehow, by God's grace, I'm not standing up here as a perfect example, but by God's grace, the, through his spirit, he's freed me from that guilt. I walk free. And I'm excited. I don't, I don't know about you, but I am as excited about being a Christian as I ever have been. And I've been a Christian now for... 53 years. It's a long time. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> but anyway, let's go look at another verse. Uh, let's look at yeah, Colossians 1, 22 and 23. So that's a good verse. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Is that what I said or did I say? Yeah, 20, 21, 22. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach so now this is the word of God I didn't write this okay but it says what does it say there that he's going to present us before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach so that's what I said our sins are taken care of so you never have to worry about your sins keeping you away from God. Now, your choices, that's a different thing, right? If you feel the prompting of God on you to maybe go pray for somebody and you don't do it out of fear or maybe lack of faith or whatever. In fact, I'll, I will share with you this is a true testimony. I'm, I, I hate to share this because it makes me look bad. <laughs> but we were on a cruise just a month or so ago. And there was a gal that came by with her daughter who was probably about 14. And she was in a wheelchair. And I'm telling you, she was really messed up. And I'm laying there on a lawn chair by the pool, and I look over at her, and God speaks to me. And he said, go pray for her. And tell her that it will take a little bit of time, but she will be healed. And she needs to make sure and say that it's Jesus that healed her. Okay, so I get this prompting. I, I know it's the Holy Spirit. And do you know what I did? I stayed in my chair. I was afraid. I hate to admit this, but I was afraid to go over there because I was afraid they would, I'd look like a fool. 
I hate to admit that, but that is a true story. And it plagues me today because I think if you'd have saw that girl, your, your heart would have been broken for her. But that was one of those things where I know it was God speaking to me. You know, sometimes you get indigestion or whatever, you know, and you're, you're wondering, well, is that God? Is that not God? This was God. And I did not respond. And, you know, I feel horrible about that. But, you know, that's, uh, isn't that life? And, you know, I got right back up, what they, like they say, got right back on the horse and went riding again. You know, I'm not going to let it bother me, but I, I missed a moment there. I know I missed a moment. And, and we don't have those all the time, do we? I mean, you know, it isn't like everybody that's in a wheelchair, I feel prompted to go pray for them. But boy, that was one of those deals where I knew I missed God. How do I know that? Because I've had other times where I've responded with that same, you know, I've had that prompting and I've responded to it and miraculous things have happened. And I want to challenge everybody in this room. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. In fact, let's... Uh, Let's do that right now. Father, I just want to pray for that young lady that I saw on that cruise ship, that you would touch her body like you told me you, you would, and raise her up out of there, and that it would be a proclamation of the power of God. I just pray that over her right now in Jesus' name, and I thank you for uh, Cheryl bringing that up. And we, uh, or Charlotte, excuse me. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, okay, let's, let me go over a couple. Okay, we're going to look at, oh, no, we already looked at that, that, that. Okay, I want to go to Hebrews. And I want to go to verse, chapter 10 in Hebrews. And I'm going to start reading in, uh, actually, I think we'll, I'll start in 14. I'm going to read a few scriptures there. Chapter 10, Hebrews 14. And here's what it says. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon the heart, and on their mind I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. And down in 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us, the veil is his flesh. So I don't know if any of you know the makeup of the temple of God. It's a picture of, uh, you know, our relationship with God and stuff. 
And there's a place in the temple called the holy place, the holy of holies. And if you remember the day Jesus was crucified, there was a curtain in front of that holy place. And they only went in there once a year. The priests would go in there once a year. And anyway, the day Jesus was crucified, that curtain was torn. And that signifies that the way into the holy place, in other words, the way into the most intimate relationship with Jesus, with God, is open freely for us. And it's done by the blood of Jesus. And it says here, I like what it says here, that we're under a new covenant now. You know, a lot of times when you read the Bible, you need to understand what covenant you're under when you're reading it. When we're, if we're, we're under the new covenant now, and so a lot of that stuff in the Old Testament doesn't apply to us because it's all been covered by the blood of Jesus. And what did he, what did he say here? He says, I won't remember their lawless deeds and their sins anymore. So, if God doesn't remember them, should we? Yes, and that's why when the enemy comes to you and brings them up, brings up your shortcomings, I encourage you to start quoting things like what we just read or just say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is uh, 1 John 4, 17. And it says there that as he is, it talks a little bit about love at the first part of that verse. But then it says, as he is, so are we in this earth. So, and that, who, who, who the, he that he's talking about there is, of course, Jesus. Well, how is Jesus? He's totally acceptable by God, right? He's in re- total perfect relationship with God. And that's the way we are. And we need to begin to walk that way. Be bold. You know, so many times, and you see it in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid. And when God came in in the afternoon to spend time with them and stuff, they were hidden. And that's what we do when we make mistakes. We kind of run from God. We hide, but we shouldn't. You know, Jesus told Paul that when you're weak, you're strong. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, in weakness is strength. That is so contrary to what the world says, right? But that is what is in the kingdom of God. That's the way it works. And God's desire is to give us all that he has. He doesn't want to withhold anything from any of his children. You need to boldly go and grasp for it and ask him to open up opportunities in your life to be able to minister, to touch people's lives. Could you imagine what would happen to this town if everybody in this church, everybody sitting in here right now, started going out and praying for people, witnessing to people, telling people about things that had happened, what God has done. And speak of the glories of God. Could you imagine what happened to this city? Be turned upside down. And that's what God wants us. And I guess what I want you to get out of this today is that you're good enough. You 
are good enough. I don't care who you are, what you've done, you're good enough. You're acceptable completely to God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. You know, I do a lot of work in uh, jails and uh, prisons I've done, and one of the things I always tell those men is that you can't do anything to cause God to love you more than he does right now. Nothing. You can't do anything. And also, on the flip side of that, you can't do anything to cause him not to love you. You know, the Bible says that God is love. And that's presence. That's present time. It's not, you know, back in the future. It's talking about God is love. He is right here, right now. So um, with that, I'd like to close. And uh, if you would, just bow your heads. And I'm going to, if there's anybody here, I just, Father, I just want to pray right now. Is anybody here that doesn't know Jesus? Just raise your hand, and uh, we'll, I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a sinner's prayer. Okay. All right. If you guys would follow, just pray after me. I want to just pray that God would give us uh, just new hearts, new desires to be more the hand and feet to touch this world around us. Father, I just pray for us this morning, and I just ask that everyone here, that their hearts, their minds, their ears would be open to hear your Holy Spirit speak to them, Lord God. I pray that you give them the confidence to know that they can boldly come to your throne, to the throne of grace, and walk in that grace, and let, let them know that righteousness is a gift. It's not something that we earn. It is a gift. I pray that over these people this morning, Lord, these members of your family, that you would release them and release your Holy Spirit over them, through them, and empower them. And I just pray that over them in Jesus' name. Amen.